This is Daniel. This is Jean. And this is a Panay podcast to magically disappoint your parents. Oh, we're definitely going to disappoint our parents today. Wow. So heavy stuff is going to happen today, but you know what? We keep it on a light note starting off. Um, how are you doing, Daniel? Oh, wait. Um, Sorry, I forgot yes. that Nicole is not here, apparently, in our intro. Oh, yeah. But Nicole did send a text um, to preface the episode. Um uh, they wrote, I got a slang hand sanitizer and three wick candles during our regularly scheduled recording time, which is right now. So I'll be there in traumatized spirit. And there's a bunch of emojis, ghost emojis and <laughs> hand and face emojis to uh, to kind of get you thinking and going about this. All right. Anywho, Daniel, how are you? <laughs> um, I've just been tired this week. It might just be like the switch and like the climate here in Nevada um it's starting to get or it's the day starts off dark and then Mm. or the the nights end dark and I think it's fall slash winter starting to like settle in um but other than that I uh, did my first freelance book editor gig whoa hey that sounds Um, so exciting it was through uh the below sun center or like the through the Bolosa network. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Wayne Japanda, hashtag hello, Kuya Wayne. Um, <laughs> he did like a um, like a, an email blast about like this uh, guy named Kenneth Tan, who is doing, um, creating this like experimental oral history memoir about his Lola. Um, mm-hmm. So I read the whole thing. Um, he told me to just make comments on like content and like readability. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as an English teacher, it's really difficult not to like, <laughs> read and stuff and to give my own comments. But like, I'm excited for his publication. Um, wow. So shout out to Kenneth for sharing his work with me and also for bearing with me when I um, give him some English teacher related feedback. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, too, like I started setting aside one hour of my day to read to read mm-hmm. that's um, a lot of time of like yeah because of like the school year um I just haven't had like this my schedule changed before mm. I had a lot of time to read now I don't um and I think part of the reason why I'm like lethargic all the time is mm. because I'm not taking time to like you know um make my cup overflow which is what what part of it is like reading so I just made sure that I have to get my nine hours of reading a week that's Um, so good such self-care yeah um and also like I have this like I have this goal to read a hundred books this year wow this year is gonna be like the first yeah to to hit uh three digits um my highest was well, I guess like this year, I I read seventy books. I guess thank you, coronavirus, for li- giving me <laughs> the time to um to read books. But now I have to get back onto my schedule. So you have and thirty then, more, thirty more books to have. Yeah, I think wow. from like the last time I tracked it, I had seventy, and then I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks uh-huh. and just like reading, reading with my kids, and then reading with you know like within like those that one hour a day um and I think I'm at currently at 75 so I'm getting closer (laughs) that's amazing uh (laughs) wow um can we stay with this lethargy point here like I yeah and I think maybe you can relate with uh, I have been really dealing with like lethargy I mean like just yes it's murky retrograde but like when speaking to people especially you know for us who are in person again I feel that there's this collective learning how to interact and live again, because I, yesterday when I was teaching, (laughs) two students look like somebody like murdered somebody. Like they're just like, they're like withdrawn, looking at the desk, like just, and I I had to break lecture and be like, yo, you okay? And and are you okay? Like what's going on? And they're not even conscious that they are um, disengaged and like, you know, yeah. not really turning in work on time. And I get it that we're coming, we're coming back into this, but I, it has me concerned. It really does because um, I don't know, it just feels like a weird crash course 
And then I read it as lethargy, but I really, it's a multiple, it might be multiple things just like overwhelming right. or also back to your point, perhaps they're doing so much schoolwork that they're not even filling their cup. I don't know, just theories. Well, I mean, thinking about it too, like we've, we've been tired because, mm-hmm. you know, like just like day-to-day life. And yeah. then we got really tired because of the coronavirus, just like throwing us in a, like, like throwing us in like a, what's the term in the loop? Yes. And then now we're trying to go back into like how it was quote, quote before, yeah. but not recognizing that like things have changed. So we're even tired in the transition. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that. And I had maybe two or three times just since the semester started, students really asking for a mental health break and I have to honor yeah. it. I, I can't like, it's, I can't even think back to how old gene logic was like, oh, well, you know, they're not putting effort when it's really like, I'm checking myself. Like I, if I was, if I had the courage or if I could articulate, I'd be like, yeah, I actually need one too, damn it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, but it's, it's hard, you know, because, you know, you only meet so many times and then get left right. behind. I just, big motto on not being left behind. But anywho, back to your check-in. That word just had me thinking, lethargy. Yeah. On a, on a more, like, positive note and all a celebratory note, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to try making ensaymada for <gasps> my staff because uh, today is October 1st. It's the first day of Phil and hey. History Month. Hey. <laughs> um that's the way to kick off the month it's our month y'all and boy are we investigating what it means to be filipino Uh, (laughs) what about you how are you doing so great you know i okay so i wasn't able to take my blood pressure in september because my dog chewed up the cord to the cuff so i was like really kind of even more stressed out about that i finally got the cuff like one and two weeks ago. And I'm like, Oh, my life is a wreck because it's been up. But, you know, I was like, I can't beat myself up for this particular moment. I learned that in improv is like living moment to moment. Cause I just wrapped up that class or attending it. Mm-hmm. So October 1st, um, my blood pressure is getting better. Um, really great numbers. I even took a picture of it because I felt like it was worth taking a picture of. And the biggest factor in helping me has been like literally positive affirmations. Yes. Drink water and sleep and all that good shit for your body. But like literally just talking to myself Mm -hmm. to get through it and de-stressing daily, whether it's yoga or, um, taking a walk or just things like that. And so October has been a month of being, um, honest with people on an honest foot, um, because in September it was very loaded with like confrontation and setting boundaries and it was Virgo season. And it was like, Whoa, I, I feel like I'm thriving, but at the same time, I'm like, damn. Um, so, uh, first things first, I had a conversation, conversation with my mom and she was very receptive with it. Um, you know, I, it was through text because I was just trying to minimize a rebuttal. Cause you know, there is always an emotional like provocation of it or, um, and so, um, so I laid out what I wanted to say, um, and she was, she was, she saw me, right. And then other than like, you went grateful, anywho. Um, and then I, I kind of distanced myself from my brother and dad for three weeks um, until my dad's birthday, which was this past Wednesday. And it was tough because, you know, if you're Filipino, you're kind of used to seeing your family, whether you like it or not. And so they did their usual interrupting me over dinner. And I was like, for the first time, I was like, you know, can I just finish my fucking story? <laughs> Basically, yeah. you know, usually I'm just kind of like, huh, huh. I'm, I'm getting caught up in a whirlwind of them judging the story before it's even told. And for the very first time they stopped and they listened. And so um, this is really huge because I'm not very fully honest with my family. I'm very accommodating. And prior to this, I really like, you know, cried a lot because I was like, how do I approach them in a good, healthy manner that doesn't keep having, having this like either passive aggression or like just volatileness. So um, I just, uh, I think it's, it's been pretty good. I think that's my gift to myself this past season. So yeah, it has been a season of growth for me. Early Christmas, early Christmas, man. It's the gift that keeps on giving every day, holiday, all that shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So we'll dive into this episode here. Daniel, will you tell us about our episode intention? 
course. So last week we talked about guilty pleasures and the things that we love and, and the things that we like without any shame. Mm-hmm. That's a practice in itself. Um, some day, some days, you know, like things are easier. Some days things are harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to extend this conversation about I shame. Oh my gosh. You can try again. <laughs> Sorry, my friends, uh, you know, Sarah with an I. Yeah. Um, love just talking to me. Anyways, we're extending the conversation about shame. Instead of talking about guilty pleasures, we're talking about guilt tactics. Mm -hmm. Um, What have we experienced specifically within our Filipino culture that are ways of shaming us? Right. Let's get to talking and listening. Hey, first question. Um, Again, now you can see why uh, this is a heavy one. As, yeah. a, as Nicole had prefaced, but um, what is your earliest memory of being guilted, Daniel? Um, so it actually took me a while to like think about this. Mm. And I was sitting in my classroom when I answered and like it just, it just like came to me. It was just like school. Like that was my mm. earliest memory of being guilted. So um, for those of you who don't know, um, I moved to Alaska like midway through elementary. So mm-hmm. then like the first half of elementary, I went to the Philippines or went to school in the Philippines and school in the Philippines was always a competition. Mm. Um, I remember one of my um, class or two of my classmates, their names are Victor and Arvin. Um, We had like a friendly rivalry. Like we were just, we were just kids, you know, like learning and stuff. And we just happened to be like really good students. We were usually like one, two, three, like interchangeably. Oh yeah. Top Um, 10. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I remember like our like cement classroom would always have like here are the top students Mm. of like this month or whatever this quarter but me Arvin and Victor we were always one two three um but this one time I fell into second place after being like first for like a good while yeah um and my mom was not about it yeah and I was just like I get why she's frustrated I get why she's upset but at the same time I'm like I'm I'm literally six years old yeah oh my gosh this really brings me back man I forgot about that component right um so like I get that like my mom wanted me to be the best Mm -hmm. um but now think about it as an adult or think about that situation as an an adult um can't she and also as a teacher Mm -hmm. um like can't she at least just like celebrate that I I was still like in the top or at least like I'm still in school Right, like- <laughs> that you're competent or that you're hardworking, right? It's, wow, I forgot about the perfection in academia. And right. yeah, and the parent parent feedback on that. Wow, because I mean, you, you remind me of my best friend from high school. And that was a thing, like parents knew of their other, the other kids, like the other kids right. who were fucking competitive. It's like we didn't we didn't like as the kids like we didn't care whether we got first second third I mean it was nice to like have that recognition but it's just like okay we're learning how to literally like add numbers and like write our names like it's fine um think about it thinking about it some more too which will Mm kind of answer some of the questions for later Mm -hmm. um here are the effects of you know like me being guilted from an early age within like the academic sphere um, like my work ethic, I think that's a positive effect yeah, because like sure. I get, I get shit done, which is you awesome, follow through. but right. Um, the negative things though is, uh, are my perfectionist tendencies. Yeah. And I mean, now as an adult too, like I'm, I'm starting to break away from that, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to, right. And you're an adult now too. You're a whole grown right. adult. Uh, a whole grown adult with my own like opinions and like yeah. with my own like like recognition of my own abilities and energies but still I'm kind of just like I need to be perfect yeah it, it's hard to stay away from it and it's so wild because like you know six foot away I'd be like god dang it's so damn perfect but for you there's still a little bit of tweaking I'm just a little bit more just right. a little bit more um wow so my earliest memory of being guilted is not finishing my food oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've touched upon it in past episodes lightly but you know we'll dive deeper so I was told that not finishing my food meant that kids who were poor somewhere else especially the Philippines and particularly I feel like Africa people, people always used Africa right like they've <laughs> right. never even been or even maybe read something but they of course 
designate that as probably the most impoverished place, you know, um, and that's been passed down as an idea. Um, we're starving because I didn't fucking finish my food in front of me. So um, to just bookend this and touch upon um, that, I <laughs> then, you know, after having been like, you know, I would like sit and I wouldn't finish my food. I would just be fucking crying and shit. I'm like, I just don't want to eat it anymore. I'm done. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, so ungrateful, right? And then after a while, I would finish my plates um, probably towards the, t- towards the end of elementary school. And then I was considered a glutton and I was like, Oh, <laughs> the cycle never ends. The cycle never ends. Damn it. Um, which leads us to our next question. What is your most recent memory of being guilted? Um, to kind of go on like a, a certain pattern here. Um, <laughs> so the most recent memory that I could think of is parent sibling issues. Mm. Um, so, like, as the panganai, you know, like, mm-hmm. I have the responsibility to be, like, in a sense, like, the third parent. Yeah. Um, because, and kind of going back to, you know, like, my mom's high expectations of me, I've become, like, the role model for, like, my two younger siblings. Right. Um, so, recently, um, like, long story short, so in the middle of the night, my, my, my younger sister, who's in high school, let her friend in through the window to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my parents found out through, you know, like our security camera. Right. Um, and also apparently like I was told from my mom that like one of our neighbors saw, but then also I was just like, okay. And, um, anyways, um, so the next day my sister like called me, like, I felt so bad because it was like, Hey, what's up B? Um, like jokingly. And she was just like, you have time to talk. And I'm like, Oh my God, I am so sorry. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, I felt so bad. Um, but yeah, my sister was crying over the phone because, um, my dad like just, you know, like just lay it on her. Um, and then later on, my mom called me to get me on her side. But immediately, like, you know, like growing up in like the Nero household, right. I was just like, no, I'm on Hannah's side. Right. Um, and and of course, like, you know, like my mom would like rationalize it and all that stuff. Um, and I would rationalize it back and just be like, mm-hmm. is Hannah OK? Great. Is the friend OK? Great. Did anything bad happen? Oh, like the the window screen got scratched or like <laughs> not scratched or like got ripped off like a little bit. Okay, cool. That's an easy fix. And then yeah. my mom just kept saying, what about your dad's blood pressure? Ooh, damn. I've heard that line. And then I was just like, Fuck. I was just like, okay. Um, well, part of the reason why dad's high blood pressure or blood pressure is super high is because he lets himself get angry. Yes. Game changer. And like, like literally, all I said was, what about, what if it, what if dad doesn't just like let himself get angry? Like he right. could have just had like a normal conversation with Hannah asking right. her what happened. But then of course, like, at least from my understanding, the conversation was very one-sided mm-hmm. yeah. and, and growing up again in the Nero household, like I've been part or I've not been part, but I've been like the target of that, like of that scream fest too. Yes. Oh, and I'm just God. like, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. like you cannot guilt me to say that, like, you know, like what if your dad gets a heart attack? And I was like, okay, well, he didn't. One. Right. And two, he also doesn't need to yell. Right. That is so powerful. That consciousness is so powerful because I know a lot of us out here really buy into that guilt. Like we are killing our parents with that fucking question. Right. That is so fucking real. Um, and then, yeah, you, you, them, you know, for those who didn't consciously come out of you really like, damn, I'm killing my parents. Like that's really the underlying context there. Like, right. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, to not to not to look at things optimistically, because right. I, I wasn't being optimistic. I was just like laying on the truth. And I'm like, the reality is like, my sister wanted to help his, her friend. Yeah. And he got the help. She was doing something good. And again, being a teacher too, like I know how like, I know how teenagers work. Yeah. It was like, they don't want to get in trouble, but they want to help. Right. And I'd much rather focus on the helping part than the getting in trouble part. Right. And I was like, 
all in all, like everyone was fine. So why did he get so angry? Right. And a lot of um, parents, I already know were probably their minds gone, right? Like two, like two teens together, sex craze, haywire. Right. But like at the same time, you're right. Like what if the response was de-escalated from the beginning? Like, right. And that happens with a lot, like just minor things. Right. It was even for that, like he was just coming home, like, ah, you know, um, not taking out the trash, rah, you know, like, it's like, right. Uh, <laughs> like it's a, it's as simple as like, oh, hey, um, make sure that you come home for like curfew because we just want to know that, you know, like you're okay, you're okay and all yeah. that stuff. Like simple. I had a conversation with my mom the other day and she's like, oh, your sister's out again. She's like out past midnight, blah, 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 and all that stuff. And I was like, mom, have you ever thought that maybe Hannah's friend's parents are actually okay with them hanging out? Mm. And they're like, oh, you know, I never really thought about it. And I was like, yeah, stop guilting me to tell hannah yes to like do whatever when literally all she's doing is hanging out with friends because she's what a teenager wow you just called out something that isn't on the outline which is a guilt chain of command right um it's with a with a spread of passive aggression um (laughs) yeah yeah that is oh wow because you know if you didn't think the way you did uh it would be like well it is my duty as sibling to do what my parents asked and bef- but you're you you put a dash of negotiation and mediation in there um to really check in with those feelings so right wow so much to learn from your story um so, so <laughs> i have you know this question even though i wrote up the outline um i would say it's interesting it's, it's an interesting question for me because at some point i feel like i've been desensitized to the amount of times I've been guilt, I'm like the Hannah of the story. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I bear guilt pretty daily. And I think a major point of uh, this guilt is not being as neat or as graceful as my mom. Like uh, she, she's like a very, like, I would say kind of a high standard, right? Even my brother will say like, I can't find a girl like mom, right? And I'm like, uh, I am not as neat or as graceful style, money, whatever the fuck, um, like her. And so mm-hmm. that has, that's always a point of guilt, right? Like get it together, Jean. And so it's, uh, you know, it ebb and flows on how much it tires me. I would say currently this year, it tires me. Um, guilt yeah. tires me. Uh, so that's my most recent memory of guilt. Um, so I'm noticing like a, a pattern on like literally disappointing our parents <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to keep going and keep digging. So next question um, so the two moments that like we've mm-hmm. shared, um, how are they tied together or how are they different? So I think these moments tied together because many pieces, um, to create this conflict of interest keep occurring. And so, um, I grew up in Guam where I can move a bit more freely than my parents. Right. So like, you know, we have just different values innately, mm-hmm. even if they raised me. Right. Um, so my parents grew up with a certain level of food insecurity and very heteronormative gender roles in Catholic country. Yeah. Um, so when I move around with the, the consciousness of those two overbearing ideologies or even um, life conditions, um, you know, <laughs> they want to like police police me right so they right. i'm not upholding the upbringing that's been constantly compounded into them in the philippines and so that triggers a response in them right like they're like okay we got to wrangle Jean in right she's laughing too loud she's eating too much <laughs> she's staying up too late and so we need to wrangle her in whether it's like really stabby um comments you know that undercut uh-huh. me it could be like hey mommy dad you know whatever and they'd be like well why didn't you do this right today or like why you look like that or whatever so like completely unnecessary and completely, like out of context right like I remember my dad used to come home and um, I'd be like hey man how's it going right and he's just like why are you even fatter today you know what I mean like I'm just like oh my god right right and I just wanted to watch tv with him you know so like um, that's, and it's so casual, right? He could have been mad about something else or he just could be mad about the way that I moved around in the world. Right. So like, yeah. Uh, what about you? How are, how are these related or different for you, Daniel? Um, there's a lot of similarities, um, for me, like my two stories and actually like our two stories, mm-hmm. um, share a strand of like social perception. Yes. And it's not about like 
what people see us. It's more so like what our parents think people see us as. Yeah. Ooh, that's a, di- that's a different optic I didn't think about. Right? So like, for example, like my parents want me to be the perfect student because it shows that they're good parents. <laughs> yeah. But like in reality, LOL, now as an adult, <laughs> um, I am gay and a disgrace to their religious family. And I was just like, okay, cool. Um, and then for the other story about like, you know, like my sister, um, my parents are afraid of chismes. Mm. Um, because a neighbor saw my sister sneak in and apparently like that's bad. But again, who the fuck cares? Right. So also, shaming her. Right. And also like, why is the neighbor even watching? I also right. have a feeling, right? And like, I don't know like what time this happened, but like, here's the thing that I was thinking about. I think my neighbor is also my dad's sister. So my aunt. Ooh. So it again, it's like, like voyeuristic too. Like what's your right. business? It's like within the family. So like all in all, I think like my parents are worried about people's perception of them centered around like the actions that like their kids have done. Wow. So they, so so like you were talking about like the guilt chain of command, but, um, but it's also like within like the same, I don't know, like the same sphere of like uh, the legacy of guilt. Yes, for sure. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I'll give it like my parents will have good, good weeks and like not, you know, be progressive. Like my dad, my dad during his uh, birthday dinner was like, you know, people can marry whoever they want. You know, they could be with whoever they want. And I brought up, you know, um, his friends who have, a, you know, a lesbian daughter. And he's just like, oh, I don't know, though, that person's kind of cr-. like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so like. <laughs> Yeah, or like even I was like oh yeah well people well, people could end up who with whoever but you had an opinion on John interracially dating right so um like really like hold it a hundred percent don't just be right willy-nilly right now um but yeah yeah for sure like don't be a hundred and then like renege because that doesn't <laughs> make you a hundred um so because of, you know, like the situations that we were put in and like the guilt mm. that have been put on us, what did you learn about yourself? Okay. So I, I promise to show up to this episode fully real, fully a hundred, not, not pulling my dad. Right. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I learned to not like myself for perhaps 80% of my life. Like, Jean. yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I was like, let's be real, you know? Um, and I learned to celebrate in my, and liberate myself so much later in my life. And people are like, 34 is not old, but like 34 is my present day. And I'm okay with that. So mm-hmm. I, for sure, like factual history, Jean, um, I cried a lot because I feel, I feel deeply the duality of being regulated because of them explicitly caring about me and policing me, but also implicitly their jealousness of my logic and my capabilities. Ooh. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, and it's, it's very, it's very powerful for me to show up to today's show and be like, they're jealous. And I'd always, whenever someone would say that to me, you know, to come from me, like, they're kind of jealous. I'm like, come on, dude, they're not jealous of their fat daughter. Right. But like, they are. Um, they are. So, they are. um I also learned, uh, that I, to guilt myself even before taking action, that has kind of been my MO, my, you know, in this 80% of my life, um, mm-hmm. without taking action because I have a pervasive thought. So for example, I'll ask mm-hmm. myself, are they mad at me? Um, and that question wasn't even about like what my parents were thinking of me. I started to just designate about that about my teacher, my boss. Like, like if mm-hmm. I were out late, even past college, I'm like, are they mad at me? I'm like, I was so programmed. And so I, you know, started to operate in this world, just guilty all the time. And so, um, I really am glad I could say that here. What about you, Daniel? Um, for me, like all of the tendencies I have, um, like my perfectionism, like always in my head. So going back to like the whole, like, or are they mad at me? Or like, do they, do they think that it's good? Mm. And also here's, here's, here's something fun. My anxious <laughs> attachment style. Um, I think have roots in how my parents raised me. Ooh, this really, really ties the last episode with our anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling connectors here. Um, kind of like what you said, it's like super difficult to like operate mm-hmm. um, because like once you like take action, you kind of 
already like start immediately guilting yourself. Yes. Um, yes. Because it's something that like, oh, whenever I do something like with my parents, like they immediately guilt me. So then like if I do something, I should also start feeling guilty immediately. Yeah, like a pre- preparation for that. Right. Yeah. Um, so like it's difficult to work within like to work with those tendencies but also it's difficult to like counter or even reverse those tendencies yes oh because it's so ingrained like i'm just like like i could tell myself like this is great you're fine and then literally the same voice would be like (laughs) no it's not it like you could do better Um, oh man therapy like helped me a lot with um you know like with how i operate um Mm. and I kind of it got me thinking I wonder if therapy would help my parents out yeah yeah if it wasn't just such a frowned upon concept to be vulnerable and to open up to unbiased parties because it's um, shameful too right it's shameful they perhaps think a therapist is going to be dismissed or whatever or like right um yeah wow yeah I mean for sure and maybe someday some someone will find the right marketing tool to lure parents to just get some help um (laughs) who knows um innovation is there um so how does guilt perpetuate your life consciously or subconsciously daniel um so for me so i'm gonna like change this up a bit as Mm -hmm. a teacher um there's a lot of like quote quote guilt tactics Mm -hmm. um i've been i've been called like a strict teacher um but i like to say just i'm I'm particular Mm -hmm. because i know like what you know, like what colleges or even like what the top schools in Nevada are looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have like a lot of slick methods to like guilt a student. But what what I'm trying to say is that like, there's a lot of like classroom management. Yeah, practically. Like, you know, like sometimes like it's not necessarily like, I'm not like negatively like saying like, oh, this essay is bad, this essay is whatever. But like how I like speak to them, how I like manage like their essays or like how I manage their behaviors. Mostly it comes from something like, I want you to be better because I know that you're better. Yeah. You give reason without cutting down character for no reason. Right. Like if a student is like, you know, like talking, I'd literally just be like, all right, like we want to make sure that everyone is like paying attention. So then that way we understand the story. I'm not like, I'm not uh, like denigrating them. Yeah. Huge And I'm just kind of, I'm kind of just saying like, this is an expectation of my class because I want you to be successful. Right. Um, Notes, important note. Right. So it's just like the way that you come across and your rationale for like why you're in a sense, Mm -hmm. quote, quote, like redirecting a behavior or redirecting um, a certain, I don't know, like action within like the classroom. I think it will do a lot of good and also would cut down on like the shame that, you know, like students will feel or even like I would feel. Right. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is a good way of kind of, I like the difference that you put about guilt and being particular um, because yeah, for me, if that were in the context of the way our parents have probably learned or from who they've learned, mm-hmm. it's like, cutting down character and just like don't right. talk back or like give reason to and um and that can leave a lot to the imagination for young people um yeah so particularly for how this guilt has seeped into my life um i will honestly say i gene munson and i someone can quote me 10 years from now because i'm saying it here <laughs> um that i i've adopted toxic communication skills in my relationship to koi mm. um you know, I didn't realize at the time that they're toxic. Um, we once went on a road trip and by the time, and Koi was in that car. By the mm-hmm. time we left, nobody in that car wanted to talk to me because they thought I was so mean and I didn't get it because I was like, how can I be mean? I'm Gene Munson. I'm a leader and all these great things. Right. But I didn't realize how small that I would talk to Koi in the car. Um, so I'm going to start speaking with guilt intention at the forefront um, mm. especially my family will accuse me of being mean to Koi. And I, so I begin that I'm 
to believe I'm so fucking mean in which I am, which we knew from the last episode, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I forget the context of where that came from. Right. So that I was socially conditioned. I'm the fight or flight. I was fight. Um, um, that my initial family unit has like just ingrained in me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, where I was a, perhaps a victim sometimes in my family dynamic, um, I've taken that toughness, that definition of toughness and, and I'm a complete monster in the world sometimes, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like uh, I, like only this year after having my dad visit my house and like, he gilded me about like dog parenting that I realized how much, I speak just like that. And so, um, and even in knowing that I try to like dominate an argument or pull really irrelevant past mistakes that a person has and Mm -hmm. chop their character. And I'm really glad that we're juxtapositioned together in this question because of what it could look like if you molded it to a context that is nonviolent communication versus violent communication and just thinking that's black and white, right and wrong. So, um, yeah, I can NM a monster if I am not actively paying attention. And so um, years of guilt can really change a person. Like, um, so I, in, in trying to transform a victim outside of a victim mentality, I took on violent communication. And so um, I, I really wanted again to explain that in this episode for people who are just like me, very seem well put together in public face right? But, you know, still have a lot to work to do internally. I think that's important. Yeah. And like, I'm glad that, um, you know, like you're cognizant of that. Because I mean, like, that's, that's part of like healing. Yes, absolutely. Um, Now we just hope that our parents recognize that too within themselves. (laughs) Hold them accountable. (laughs) Um, So going outside of like, you know, like our parents going yeah. outside are like, are, are like with it, like individual stories. Mm-hmm. What does, you know, like guilt tactics say about our Filipino community? I think like, I think about the diaspora kind of like a subculture of consciousness and it's rooted in this idea of debt, debt to each other, debt to the country, like just mm-hmm. what we owe back to the people before us or the people we left behind. I know that seems really meta, but wait, I have a point. And in a lot of ways, that's a beautiful check on our privilege where we're sitting today and getting to be on this podcast versus perhaps working the streets uh, somewhere in the Philippines and trying to get by with food insecurity, perhaps. Um, So I, in a lot of ways, talking about this particular topic helps us put a check on privilege intergenerationally. Like um, in terms of the way we respond to conflict resolution or don't respond to conflict resolution. Um, so but at the same token, um, what is the level of hostility when we are trying to collect this debt, right? Like in policing our kids, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, my parents keep me in line because they're like, I came this far for you to not fuck up, right? So, um, and in doing that, I'm like, I'm going to fuck up. Uh, and I will know when I fuck up when they constantly compound me with kill, right? So it's just like... Um, just a very, it's a very heavy topic for a reason. And um, I feel that my parents to a certain degree hope I'm as perfect as they intended, educated, affluent and obedient in on American soil. And so guilt itself tactic in our culture has laid a thick um, layer for me if I don't operate in those parameters because they came this far, I'm indebted to them um, and they gave up so much um, that. I sometimes feel stunted as a Filipino. So yeah. What about you, Daniel? Um, before I answer, um, when you said the word debt, it can, kind of reminded me of like this Filipino concept called like utang na loob. Yes, that's, yes, that's, yeah, that's right. the right term. So, that, it. so it's like the, um, like the internal debt or like the inherent debt mm-hmm. that like, like the Filipino culture has. Yeah. Um, I... I forgot what like what the word was, but then I just searched up like translate debt in Tagalog, and I realized that utang nalob. And then like reading the Wikipedia f- page, thank you Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> the opposite of like utang nalob is lakas ng loob. Wow. So it's it's kind of like like at least for me, this is how I'm um here's this is how I'm uh like translating and like kind yes. of like conceptualizing it, like. Lakas ng loob is kind of like 
unapologeticness. Isn't that being mayabang though? Like, wouldn't they say that's kind of being mayabang? Yeah, I to can see degree. that too. Um, the the mayabangness of it because like you're like unapologetic. You're just like, this is what I'm doing. Like, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it it kind of in a sense like breaks off that like utang nalov with like with that with that person or like with that community. Right. But at the same time, it's like because we've grown up in a culture that has this like concept like we're forgetting to i guess i guess just like pros and cons like it's good to work for your community right but when the community fails to work for you then are you Ooh. really part of the community wow get that on a t-shirt that is um tonight's gem oh, yes. <laughs> quote of the night <laughs> um and then to to tie tie it back to like this main question and to like answer the question mm-hmm. i think this ties back to like the model minority myth for sure um and i like when i was typing this i thought about like that image of like the snake eating its own tail yes yeah so it's, like it's like a cyclical thing but also it's very self-destructive yeah like what standard so you're going uh you were talking about like how your parents had like a certain standard or like a certain intention as to like how you're supposed to be mm-hmm. um but then like i started asking myself like what standard is the filipino community using to guilt someone into mm. the shape that the community desires yeah that's a good so way if to it's, end it so like historically if it's like the white standard then it's the white standard mm-hmm. and then like we'll never reach it right it's not the white standard whose standard are we using? Right. And then if it's like the Filipino standard, and I was like, what is the Filipino standard? Because if it's a reflection of our colonized history. Right. It just feels like a constant dissatisfaction because I even think of right. people who are it. They're it. The They are the model minority myth. They too are fucking miserable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like- honestly. Um, like from different vantage points too, like whether we're looking at it in like the Filipino, the filipino like perspective or like the american aspect or even mm-hmm. like in different vantage points i think we're all just like getting hurt yeah by the guilt that our community puts on itself right so then like how can we get rid of that guilt right no, that's a big question <laughs> it is a big question it makes me think of like how sometimes families break up or people take their lives like you know yeah um over this so Things to think about Filipino community this month of Filipino American history. <laughs> oh my gosh. Could you imagine like for like the October episodes, it's just about like, what are Filipinos doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, during this month, it's like celebrated every victory and whatnot. And maybe that's compounded even to more guilt on those who are not Ooh. reaching that step. <laughs> we see you. We see you. Um, um So... Uh, we talked a lot about like problems. Um, <laughs> let's think about like solutions, regardless of whether how small or like how big they are. So, what is a small way to make progress in guilt-ridden spaces, Jean? Okay, because I know I can't save the world, even though for ninety percent of my life I thought I could and would. And um, <laughs> so, I'm thinking about saving Jean. Um, so something I've been doing for the past four days. Wow, what a commitment! Um, is saying I am sexy. I think yes. that is. Um, sometimes I'm like, ah, uh, maybe that's the, that sentence will change, um, as an affirmation, right. Cause that's my mm-hmm. daily affirmation for four days, but it's putting in the forefront of my mind something that's been actively beaten out of my headspace, right. Um, hypersexuality or even just loving my body or whatever. That's mm-hmm. a sample of my small way for progress because I'm speaking kindness to myself when I'm in any space, especially guilty circles, Um, Because if you don't fill yourself with your voice, um, you'll adopt like really scary diatribes or even worse, become your own monster. Hello, Mm -hmm. from one monster to potentially other monsters. Um, And there's (laughs) that saying, hurt people, hurt people, you know. Um, Yeah. What about you, Daniel? Um, Kind of going back to what you said about like having your voice in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got this from Camille. Hi, Camille. Camille. Um, So grounded. she's, She's great. Um, and I also, and she got this from her therapist. Hello. Thank you, therapist. <laughs> um, 
uh, Camille taught me to like ground myself using my five senses. So literally like whatever feeling you're feeling, maybe you're happy. So this is a positive thing. Like Mm -hmm. ground yourself in your senses. Why are you feeling those things? Like whenever I'm angry, I use this. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking whenever I'm guilty, I should use this. Yeah, that is good. Um, Like really focus on like the small details to kind of like bring you back to reality rather than like staying in your head. Mm. instead of asking yourself like oh like what does my mom think of this or like or what Mm -hmm. does like my partner think of this or like am I doing something wrong you could literally just ask yourself what do I see on the wall oh I see a speck on the wall and I smell my like the 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 leaves on like you know like my um like my plants I smell like the cat litter because you're in a sense kind of silencing those um, right intrusive thoughts yeah just a um, cloud. Of, yeah, yeah, and like you're, and rather than getting swallowed, swallowed up by the guilt, you're kind of es- like intentionally escaping it and not letting it in. Um, yeah. And yeah. then like the next step that I thought of was to just to carry on and do what you think is right within your power. Wow, you were <laughs> full of quotables. One day we'll put them in a hard bag. There's just a lot of good quotes coming out of Daniel today. <laughs> wow i will have to play back this episode just to hear all those really good uh one-liners that can be used in multiple ways um i'm gonna start saying i'm sexy every day hey oh yes you are (laughs) um i i you know what i think about the whole grounding yourself right that's what therapists say now or even any mental health advocate but wow that used to be something we did a lot as kids that has Mm -hmm. kind of left us like um maybe in the advent of like phones with us computing like computers um but wow that is really good advice really tangible advice free advice um let's talk about rex daniel what's good for the people um, number one, I've been doing this for like a good six months now. Um, audiobooks at 1.25 speed. Mm. It's not too fast. It's not too slow. And it's also great commute, uh, like commuting entertainment. Mm. Um, and you know, sometimes I switch it up with like Bruja baddies because, you know, <laughs> got to support. Um, but yeah, audiobooks at 1.25 speed. It's really nice. Um, mm. number two. Um, quick little story. I made like my first like Southern meal. Oh my gosh. Uh, my mouth is watering. Gene on cue. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. Oh, let me, let me tell you what I made. I made um, fried pork chops, mashed potatoes and gravy, collard greens. So good. And, um, and cream styled corn. It was so good. Um, but I think my favorite part out of all of them and like, I love vegetables. So mm-hmm. when I made the collard greens, um, I cooked it in bacon and literally I was just like snacking on it to the point that like we had a whole pan mm-hmm. and then we we had like <laughs> half a pan left because I was just snacking on it and eating it with rice. Ooh, so I think I found so like so good. So good. Um, but yeah, collard greens cooked in bacon. Um, and then lastly, um, also shout out to Mikey. Hey. Um, Bob's Burgers. I know, like, I love the show. Yes. I love the show. Oh, yeah, there's a new season out. Um, I love the show because it's such a, like, a feel-good show. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, LGBTQ positive. Um, and we were talking about, like, the diversity of the show. Yeah, I um, love it. And literally, like, there are sex workers. There are, um, you know, um, female-presenting men. Wow. Um and they're never questioned about right. it. Right. They're just part of and the world. It's just part of the world. And I was like, this is great. I mean, looking upon, you know, like the voice actors and stuff, very white. But, you know, like, well, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but just to have a show, like to have a cartoon that just shows like the different identities that people could have and like not be asked about it. It was just like, I don't know. It, it, it makes me feel good. Um, oh, wow. And also, I realized that I'm Linda. You are totes Linda. <laughs> like, I sing, like, everything. Like, I would be talking to my cat, and I'll be like, hello, Mr. Cat, how you doing today? <laughs> Woo! Um, um, I'm very supportive of my kiddos, and also, I wear fashionable glasses. You do. I was just going to say, those ones you're wearing are great. Um, uh, I love all you. I'm really, the audiobook thing is very helpful, because sometimes they take freaking forever. Um, 
Like, here's my top three. So when I was at UNLV, I was trying to get a snack and you know, those kettle brand chips, I've tried every flavor, but they had Korean barbecue and it was so like, freaking what? delicious. Yeah. They, I don't think they sell that at regular snits, but somehow at UNLV, someone was progressive with the kettle brand chips and ordered Korean barbecue flavor. It was amazing. It was like Calbee in a bag. Um, number two, and this one was inspired by my students who were just chugging coffee, but not present in their eyes. Um, try to rest, make the choice to rest over buying a cup of coffee, perhaps yes, not yes. faking energy and just getting the damn energy. Like I literally I wrote an email to my students, like, cause you know, there was, they were pretty zombied out and understandable. I was like, y'all do something fun or get some rest this weekend. So we can show up next week rejuvenated. Um, and third, I kept joking around about Mercury retrograde, but really, I do believe it's a real thing. Um, so I am glad we made it here, um, despite the uh, Mercury <laughs> retrograde. See, it's even hard for me to get through. Um, but I made a funny comic <laughs> that you can follow on Instagram. It's called Curry Gatorade, um, because when I was trying to explain to my student why she was feeling the way she was, um, she found out it was Mercury retrograde. But when she was walking around in the hallway, um, when people were like, what's going on with you? She's like curry Gatorade. And I was like, what a genius way of making fun of this time. So check <laughs> it out. I will put it in the show notes, my Instagram handle to check out that comic. So yes, Daniel. Wait, actually one more quick thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got like news of this, uh, today. <laughs> um, so last episode I talked, or maybe a couple episodes ago, I talked about donors choose. Yes. Um, if you are a, a teacher in Nevada, and um, you create a donor's shoes project and your project aligns with like the Nevada school standards, Mm -hmm. um, you will, in a sense, get money for that project. I think, um, I think the money is like $800. Wow, that's, and that's, that's a lot. Yeah. So the state of Nevada is um, committing to I can't like remember like the numbers, but I think it's like $8 million for classroom projects. You're right. You're right. Cause I think it's part of the American rescue plan. So get on it. Teachers collect your money. Yeah. Collect that money. I I know I'm going to do another project related to the library. I might actually get some Kindles for my kiddos. Anything for the kids, y'all. Uh, again, right. on that note, anything for the kids. Um, shout out anything to the um, those who watched our video that we provided for podcast tutorials. And if any listener just wants ABCs, one, two, threes of free podcasting tips, we have a video that we made for um, your school, Daniel. Um, and we're yes. not we're no we're no keeper of secrets. We're no chamber of secrets up in here. Um, mm-hmm. So we will share. Um, any last words? Um, as we sign off, Daniel. Um, yes. If you're feeling guilty, don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. And if you're feeling guilty, use the other G in your life, which is grounding yourself. This is Gene yes. signing off. And... and oh, and this is Daniel. <laughs> and this is a Panay podcast to magically disappoint your parents. And just don't guilt them either. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>